Welcome spooks and spirits, ghouls and ghosts. Take a seat around the campfire. But beware, this podcast is haunted. Um, <clears throat> Shall we uh, start the show? Let's start this. All right, well, uh, so, Madam Flight Risk, where you at? What you doing? What's going on? Coming to you live from my childhood home. Distinctly not in Grand Rapids. No, nope. Uh, yep, we're working on, it's it's a whole process, you know? It is, it First, is. Uh, Apparently I was, moving home for you is a multi-step journey. Well, listen, if I, like, move back to Grand Rapids now, uh, I am currently homeless and jobless. So it's just, you know, I gotta... Jen. And also broke. Jen, Add to that. You know that no you money. live with me for free, right? I can't. I don't have a job, though. <laughs> I know. But we would feed you and take care of you. So I'm working on it. Okay. But you I would be have back. to, like, I walk around naked a lot. So well, you would have to get comfortable with that real quick. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. All right, so, this is all to say we are remote again but we are remote yet again but, but that's okay it's be. the last time we're going to be remote for a while because mm-hmm. it's also the last episode for a while oh yeah we're gonna yeah. go on summer hiatus summer but before hiatus. we before we left we had to bring you one last great episode i'm super excited for this one actually that's right i'm really pumped as well uh i'm glad we kind of put it in our back pocket and mm-hmm. I'm super grateful to Colin from the Facebook group for bringing it up because there's a yeah. lot of great stuff here. Thank you for that, man. Yeah. Yeah. That came up on our, in our Facebook group. Another uh, reason you should be in our Facebook group, yeah. I guess. The uh, coolest place on earth. Plug for that. But yeah, he brought up this topic and I was like, why haven't we done this one yet? It's kind of actually a callback to a previous episode, like a long ass time ago. So long ago. And we we're like, oh, we're going to do so many of these and then we just like never revisited it again. Well, that's until okay. now. <laughs> we, we will have a couple tossbacks. Um, yeah. I guess I guess that's enough lead. And you want to tell them what they're doing? Yep. Uh, it's you know when you're 12 years old and at camp, and someone dares you to go stand in front of the mirror and say three times, "Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary." You know, I think that's probably the first time I've said it three times in a row were you always very cautious I'm like very deep, to not I'm say it? deeply superstitious <laughs> are you really i mean not like for everything but that's one of those things and and i think the only reason i was really comfortable saying it just now is because i'm not in fact facing a mirror <laughs> so huh. although i could be looking into my microphone which is very mirror like that's true but i wasn't looking into it and it so allows for the shape would give you some distortion too so yeah yeah. Very, very interesting. So, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about, where uh, that urban legend comes from. Yeah, the legend of what, Bloody Mary. What it is and who Bloody Mary is. And what could be happening uh, behind the scenes. What just is going on? What's hmm. uh, What the fuck is going on there? Yeah. <laughs> so, I guess, really, we should jump into it from what the fuck it is. Yeah, please, Seems please like enlighten a, me. like a sensible place. I was just, myself, I was told not to do it. And so I was like, yep, good enough for me. Um, You know, I, I'll i be honest. I don't think, I know we talked about playing it at a couple sleepovers when I was a girl. Mm. But I don't think we ever did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will also say, though, that I'm quite high strung. You guys, I, we have talked about on the show before that I don't look into dark mirrors yeah uh in dim rooms i like i won't even if i'm 
I, <laughs> we're going to share so much. Uh, <laughs> when I pee in the middle of the night, which is not always, but ever more frequently <laughs> as I age, uh, I, my husband is very light sensitive. Mm-hmm. And so I keep everything dark. I can just walk. We have our, the thermostat in our hallway is quite bright and it illuminates mm. what I need to see. And so I often am a dark pooper mm. <laughs> surrounded dark pooper. by mirrors and it's the a new gl- Batman villain coming <laughs> to you this fall. <laughs> I would be an amazing Batman villain. Are you kidding me? The dark me? pooper. The dark pooper. <laughs> well, anyway. Um, <laughs> I'm very cautious not even to look into the glass door of the shower that's immediately next to me. So yeah. I guess this is the way that I'm truly superstitious. I mean, that's good. I have tempted fate for years by having like an antique ass mirror in my room. Not yeah. not in this room here, but like in Grand Rapids, I had this like family heirloom dresser that had like this beautiful like mirror on top of it and when you have told me about this i am deeply scared and then inevitably i just forget about it by the time i go home anyway so it's fine that's okay um it's it's funny the way some things affect us and some things don't like Mm. remember Mm -hmm. how freaked out we got by my the window that faces our table when we record yes we had to put stuff in front of that window guys yeah i can't it was too intense i'm still scared of that window i don't know why there's same. There's really it's, no reason for it. There's no the, reason at all. There's just woods right there, and it's just too much for me. Honestly, it's not even woods. It's, it's like... A, it's a bush. It's, it's, it's a big-ass collection of tiny trees. It's a bush. Yeah. yeah it's, it's like... It's, it's nothing. Seven feet deep of scrub yeah. brush. In suburbia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's well lit all the way through. <laughs> uh, but no, we're terrified. So, yeah. uh, it's funny how some things affect us and some things don't. Uh, mm-hmm. Bloody Mary never appealed to me. It wasn't... I don't remember ever doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it turns out the legend of Bloody Mary is a huge amount of variation. Uh, I will say that most of it uh, seems to center in America, according to a couple of actual sources that I read, hmm. uh, including... Um, Janet Langlis, uh, her essay in Indiana Folklore, um, Mary Wells, I believe, I'm sorry, Mary Wales, I Believe in You is the title, uh, as well as Bloody Mary in the Mirror by Alan Dundies, uh, which was put together for, for, what did he yep. write? He wrote... Is this a journal title? Uh, Western Folklore, Volume 57, 1998. That's so. Less. Most of these collected stories do seem to originate in America, which is very interesting to me. Uh, Oftentimes, when we're talking about folklore in America, it's often Native American, as opposed Mm. to something that is truly part of Western society, and Bloody Mary seems to be. Uh, So the the general parts of the variations are that you're chanting into a dark mirror. Uh, Yeah. Oftentimes, girls are going into bathrooms, uh, either yeah. at night or just in a darkened room. Oh, God. Um, and they're going to say a name a number of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they might incorporate blood or water as well as candle presence. My God, what are these girls doing? And they have uh, an actual, quite a, quite a list of names here. So some of the variations I found uh, for chanting in a dark mirror, you're holding one candle in your hand. Mm -hmm. Or, a different variation, has two candles low on either side of the mirror. You're saying a name either three times, five times, 13 times, or, I shit you not, 47 (laughs) times. 
okay, but like, how are you even paying attention to anything else besides the number you're on? I, that's a great question. And I want to talk about that in just a minute. Okay. Uh, so you, a lot of women actually choose to incorporate blood or water. And this might actually go back to an ancient practice of scrying. Uh, in okay. ancient Greece, scryers would take mirrored surfaces. At the Temple of Circes in Petra, uh, the the seers the the what's the word I want like sibyls or yes or, exactly yeah. I'm gonna go with seers uh, the seers yeah, would I lower think a mirrored like one name yeah I think so um, so they would lower a mirrored surface just into the water of a still well and then they would see fortunes through that um, so sometimes they would incorporate in this American version of the folklore uh, they would run hot water which would produce a steam. Uh, they would flush the toilet uh, or they would prick their fingers a number of times and rub the blood together in their hands while chanting or rub it across the mirror while chanting. Oh my God. Okay, but like I am imagining the like 1980s sleepover, like I'm telling suburban you, mom bathroom, but like girls doing that and it's both funny and terrifying to it me. It is, isn't it? It's so <laughs> interesting. Uh, that's why a number of sociologists have actually studied this. Uh, there was a reason I was able to easily find scholarly articles on the Bloody Mary legend. It was I really... I want to focus... I want to write my... I want, if I want to do... If I ever did a PhD... Yeah! To be in this kind of shit. <laughs> I think that would be great. Um, so they have a number of names. Uh, we're going to circle back to the mm-hmm. names because... Okay. The names also tie to sometimes identity and sometimes not. But what they're hoping for here, the the end result, is some sort of risk. Uh, Maybe it's an attack. Bloody Mary will attack them through the mirror. Uh, She will drag them to their other side. That's what they're hoping for? That Well, that's what they're willing to risk. They want to see if they can call it up and be brave enough to face the risk. Jeez, girls are metal as shit. Yes, they are. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boys doing this all of that like easy bake oven shit during the daytime yeah. that easy bake oven can like melt a barbie at night on witchcraft at night yep <laughs> um so dragging to the other side clawing your face gouging you somewhere on your body if you've ever done an evil deed oh jesus place a curse upon you these are all things that mary could do to the person calling her place a curse upon you frighten you by sudden appearance uh of a corpse uh, somebody who looks scary or uh, injured. Mm. Um, she would cause a sudden surge of blood in you. You Ugh. might see your own dead self. No. See a woman holding her own bloody head. Okay. Or you might see the face of your husband. <laughs> well, it makes it all worth it, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that was, as, as we know, uh, one form of very popular divination for most yeah. women in Western society, uh, wherever that place was, ugh, was I'm sorry, my Wisconsin accent has been creeping out this week. Mm-hmm. So ever so often, I just start talking like this. Oh, yeah. I think it's because me and my husband started watching Fargo together. <gasps> the show? Oh, it's such a great show. It's a great Is movie, too. I wouldn't. I can't recommend it enough. <laughs> oh, it makes me crave a hot dish. Anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> No, it will creep out from time to time. Sorry, guys. Mm. Um, so uh, women 
looking to do divination in dark rooms to mm-hmm. to see who their husband was or pass yeah, cake I mean, through the ring of their mother to see who shall marry them when in their that's dreams. Like, yeah, that's like the most classic. Yeah, young that's girl OG divination witchcraft. Like that is the beginning of the crucible, right there. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> I know things. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, one of the caveats to this myth for a lot of people is that it won't work if you don't believe, which I think oh. is a very handy out. Like, I think so too. Yeah, it's it's very like you won't hear the the sleigh bells if you don't believe in Santa. Exactly. Exactly. How convenient. How convenient, yeah. everybody. Oh. So let's talk about who this Bloody Mary was. Uh, yes, according indeed. to legend, there are quite a few names. So there's the general Bloody Mary. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe she was a witch. Maybe she was uh, a a person who was disfigured. Maybe she was somebody who was attacked, somebody who died in childbirth. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the other names we have here do get more specific. Um, there's a Mary Wales. There seems to be Wales, a relation to nobility. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have the more generic Mary Jane. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's I know. a different Mary. Indeed. She's way more chill. <laughs> She's such, so much more chill. Uh, and then there's also Hell Mary, who sounds not chill at all. No. no Almost all really. of these are Mary. And that Mary might also relate to uh, calling on Virgin uh, Virgin Mary, the, the supposed mother oh, of Jesus. Yeah. Um, there's also been a lot of Marys through history, some of which who were witches, uh, or at least were tried as witch. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is uh, might also be Resurrection Mary. There's a lot of um, people who associate somebody being present and then gone, but leaving evidence that they were a ghostly presence, uh, like Resurrection Mary. Or Mary, Queen of Scots, a woman holding yeah. her hair, her own head. Uh, or Mary, uh, Queen Mary I of England, who mm-hmm, was, mm-hmm. of course, a Tudor queen. Yes. So, because this is a history show, obviously, we're going to yes. talk <laughs> about the history part. Uh, uh-huh. Now, Mary, Queen of Scots, it was is actually not likely to be the start of the Bloody Mary myth. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people mm-hmm. in history have started saying that Mary, Queen of Scots, was a very vain woman. And she killed a lot of girls to bathe in their blood and keep ah, herself looking young. Her with the Countess of Bathory, I yes. think. Yes. Well, or there, it maybe it's less of a confusion and more of a propaganda. Well, yeah, that too. There's the patriarchy, much, right? There's a well, or uh, Protestant v v Catholic. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. There's gonna there's a lot of that. Yeah. So for us to explain that, can we briefly tell people who Mary Queen of Scots was just for like a second and only we don't yes, need much? Yes, indeed. Yeah. Okay. So full disclosure, uh, I did prepare information on the other Mary that we're going to talk about, but uh, I, I'm always down to talk about Mary Queen of Scots. Um, it turned up in my research, so I'm making her. Yeah. And I did not prepare any official research, but boy, can I go off. Um <laughs> So let's see. Let's see what I remember. I will not remember any dates. Full disclosure. Um, so she, Mary Queen of Scots, uh, was born in Scotland uh, to the the Scottish royal family, and she became queen of the Scots uh, within the first few years of her life. I'm not going to give an exact age because I will be wrong. Um, but she is, uh, her parents are, well, obviously her father is was the king of Scotland, but her mother was um, sister to Henry VIII. 
So if if you all know your Tudor history, you will know that she is then a direct first cousin to the other Bloody Mary, um, the the act, the historical figure who is actually more commonly known as Bloody Mary, which is Mary Tudor, and her sister Elizabeth, the famous Queen Elizabeth I of England. So that's that's the generation we're dealing with, um, and the family. So she was. Uh, she became queen of Scotland very young, and Scotland at that time was very tumultuous uh, for, you know, most of Scottish history, to be right. honest. Uh, so a lot of the nobles were not super hyped about her, um, uh, wanted to gain power for themselves because the, the best thing the best position to be in when there is a child monarch is to be the like lord protector of that child monarch because then you essentially are king in all but name so they were kind of fearful for her safety and i don't know who they is because i whatever um so she was removed from scotland and actually spent most of her life uh, her early life that is in france um because france was very friendly with Scotland because you know they're because Catholicism yeah I'm trying to remember if this is I think this might be post Henry breaking off from the church but I don't know but only just barely I don't know exact dates the enemy of thine enemy is thy friend so yeah if Scotland hates England and France hates England Scotland mm-hmm. and France are friends. <laughs> well, I was also reading up on this because, uh, well, I've, <laughs> in the absence of Game of Thrones, I've been diving into um, very, like, inferior TV shows, but uh, that cover the period of the War of the Roses, and I think it's the the stars prestige shows, the White Queen and the White Princess. Um, I've been meaning to start those. The, the White Queen is pretty good, actually. Uh, White Princess is definitely more in the category of rain, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) A slur if ever there was one. (laughs) It's not great. But it does kind of cover an interesting period of history where it's the very beginning of the Tudor dynasty. So it's Henry VII who married Elizabeth of York. Um, And there's a lot of echoes with Game of Thrones because that's basically what George R. R. Martin based it off of. Anyway, in that show... Um, the House of York is basically deposed and they're very salty about it. They're the, and so they're the dragon riders? They are the, they are the Starks in this situation. Oh. Um, it's, and the House of Lancaster is, or Lannister are the red rose. Oh, okay. All right. All so, right. So, so Elizabeth of York is the Sansa of the, of realness. Oh, damn. That's a high compliment. Yeah, I know. Right. Um, she was actually pretty badass. Um, but where the the Scottish French connection is her the Duchess of Burgundy is also a York. And so it would be Elizabeth of York's aunt. Anyway. So she's in Burgundy and then out of seemingly nowhere here comes this guy who's pretending to be Prince Richard, who is one of the two princes in the tower, who uh may have been murdered by someone and almost assuredly was murdered by someone. Well, yeah. Um, but he's claiming to be one of those princes and, and the Duchess of Burgundy's like, hell yeah. Uh, cause she's super salty. So she ends up marrying him to a princess of Scotland. So there's like, like France and Scotland have been like pretty buddy, buddy because they both kind of hate England. 
And this has been going on for a while. Yeah. <laughs> At least 100 years. Yes. Like, anyway. The 100 Years War. Yeah. So, so Mary, Queen of Scots, goes to France, and she's brought up in the French court. And she is, like, pretty immediately betrothed to the, the Dauphin, the heir to the French throne, from which, whose name is Francis, I believe. Yes. <laughs> Doing this I like all how by you memory. sing when you're not sure. Yes. Francis. Francis. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, they grow up together. This is this is what rain is about, actually. <laughs> so Jen, we got us. I'm gonna forbid you from watching TV soon. I'm not. I haven't watched that show. But oh, okay, because you seem to know a lot about it. No, 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 I just know that that's what it's about. It's about the the rain is it's Mary Queen of Scots. Um, oh, okay. She's the main character in that show. It's awful, but that's what it's about. I'm mostly going off of the classic Royal Diaries children's books that I was obsessed with. Um, anyway, she grows up in the French court. She's basically French. She marry, She does marry the Dauphin, um, Francis, I believe, and becomes queen of both Scotland and France for a while. Uh, a very short while because he dies. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and she doesn't have any children with him, and so she is kind of out of luck luck. shit out of luck there so she ends up back in scotland at the age of like 18 um and so she's back in scotland to reclaim her throne which is where the recent movie mary queen of scots picks up and boy howdy do i not like that movie Is it the uh, the <laughs> denim dress that you hate? Because that was a lot. No, honestly, like I that it, that was like the least of my worries. And also, people were complaining about the like multicultural casting. And it's like we live in a post Hamilton world. I feel like we should be able to get over the fact that like no, this person wasn't historically Asian. But who gives a shit? Like <laughs> nobody gives a single rat's ass. Yeah, but so like that was not my issue with it. My so the like tagline of that movie with like it, it it sets up mary queen of scots and queen elizabeth as like these two rival queens and like uh for and then so by setting elizabeth up as like the antagonist uh they have to make her look like really privileged and haughty and like physically hideous yeah which like she did have smallpox which did scar her face a lot like right. that's not a lie um but like the tagline sets her up as like being born to power and mary queen of scots says having to fight for power when it really historically it was the exact opposite <laughs> like mary queen of scots was literally born to be queen like she was the heir she became queen at the age of like five or something and meanwhile elizabeth was like almost put to death like a couple different times right. and was like disinherited and bastardized like she was she was fighting for her life like the majority of her adolescence she was sexually assaulted she like survived so much and she finally became queen and so this movie has the goddamn audacity (laughs) to paint her as this like privileged person who doesn't know what it's like to struggle in in case you're not picking up on this jen is team tutor 
Yeah, Team Tudor Hardcore. I think it's because it's, like, really hot right now to hate England, which, like, I don't necessarily, like, disagree with. Like, England's done some shitty things in its history. So so media right now is very pro-Scotland. Um, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. Yeah, I mean, you think about, like, Outlander and Outlaw King and... Mary Queen of Scots. It's like all the movies and TV shows right now are like, yeah, England sucks. <laughs> and like, fair. Scotland probably should have been independent this whole time. But, you know, that doesn't mean Mary Queen of Scots was like this super woke, LGBT friendly person. <laughs> like, she was. Oh, that's another thing that pisses me off. A lot of historical accounts have her as being quite foolish and silly. Yeah, she was... But she was a bit of a twit. Yeah, she she married uh, Lord Darnley, um, who was probably... At, he was at least bisexual, I think, because he was having affairs with men, which really pissed her off. She was also having affairs, probably. Um, so, like, they did not have a very happy marriage at all, but they did have a kid. And she was, like, hardcore scheming. She might have schemed to get her husband killed. Um, <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she was not, like, this hero that the movie paints her as. The other thing that really pisses me off about this movie. Sorry. this Welcome to this episode. It's going to be an entire rant about why I don't like that movie. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad like, I didn't see it. I'm going into full crazy, like, like murder wall mode. I'm sorry. Um, but, um, so the movie, like, paints her as this, like, kind of victim where she's just she's just saying, like, oh, I really deserve the, the throne of England, uh, which is another pet peeve of mine when characters are just, like, whining about how much they're born to this and it's their birthright. <laughs> Queen Daenerys. Um but she's doing that but then she's also like not really taking any initiative in the movie to make anything happen for herself she's just whining about how much she deserves it but then being like led and controlled by all her male um counselors and for a movie that's like trying to be super like feminist about like oh here's these two really strong female leaders like it makes her look very weak yeah <laughs> Like, yeah, that's a make, fair criticism. Make her into a schemer. Like, just don't pull any punches. Like, if you right, want give her, us a Cersei Lannister. That's yeah, what we give want. Her, give us a like full-on scheming Mary Queen of Scots because, by all accounts, that's really what she was like. So right, she had her husband <laughs> hashtag murdered. Yeah. Um. So yeah, she was also scheming with a bunch of people to. Uh, rebel against uh, England and invade and put her on the throne of England because she really did believe that she was the rightful heir of England because and this is going back to the Catholicism uh, she believed that when Henry divorced Catherine of Aragon which I will get into when I talk about um, Mary Tudor um, she believed that that was illegitimate because that was a sacramented catholic marriage and so any heirs produced after that are illegitimate sure that makes um, total sense so she she like she recognized you know mary tudor as being the rightful queen but elizabeth who was you know born to this you know second wife second wife who which is not a called thing. <laughs> all kinds of 
horrible names um she did not recognize the legitimacy of elizabeth as even like a legitimate child of a legitimate marriage let alone the legitimate heir to the throne so by her logic it should have passed to the next kin of henry which would have been his sister which made her the next heir to the throne yeah i can kind of see why she would see that based on her belief system yeah yeah so that was why she was scheming um she ends up having to flee scotland again because the nobles there are also hardcore scheming and don't like her don't like a woman on the throne and uh so they kind of team up and kind of kick her out of the country honestly and so she ends up fleeing to england and she appeals to elizabeth not personally they never met in person but uh elizabeth is kind of like well i'm not gonna like kill you right now but i'm also not gonna help you but then mary gets kind of caught up in schemes to overthrow elizabeth and so elizabeth's like i'm not gonna put up with this shit so she gets put under house arrest for a number of years and then uh elizabeth's spies or whatever find pretty good proof of her um involvement in uh what is known as the babington plot to kill elizabeth and because of that level of proof elizabeth kind of can't ignore her any longer and is kind of forced to sign her death warrant and which is a pretty big deal because uh elizabeth who is also very kind of paranoid about uh the legitimacy of her power doesn't really want to set a precedent for other countries being able to execute monarchs right (laughs) so uh she's kind of thinking like yeah like this is my first cousin but i don't think that was honestly the first of her concerns i think it was more like i can't set this precedent of like what if someone else what if some other country you know say france or spain (laughs) wants to you know capture me and put me to death because they don't you know for whatever reason for my business yeah so that is an ugly precedent yeah, she was not a fan, but she did it because that was that was the proof in front of her. So she, yeah, she signed the warrant for Mary's execution and uh, she was beheaded. So, so remember when I said before that Bloody yeah. Mary appears in the mirror holding mm-hmm. her own head? Yes. That is why some people believe the Bloody Mary myth relates back to Mary, Queen of Scots. Ah. Because she's a beheaded Mary. Yeah. Now... There is another Mary in the mm-hmm. world. Well, <laughs> there's a lot. There's so many. Uh, blo- but the actual term Bloody Mary refers mm-hmm. to her first cousin, mm-hmm. daughter of Catherine of Aragon, right? Yep. yep okay, yep, take yep. us through that life. All right. So this is the one I actually prepared for. So, uh, God, I, I feel so like I already up, went so fuckers. <laughs> this might be a long episode. I'm sorry. Um Okay. Don't be sorry. They they have to like it's like watering a camel before you go across the desert. Y'all ain't gonna this, hear guys. from us for a while. So. so much content. So much hashtag content. Um. So yeah, Mary Tudor was the first child to survive infancy, born to King Henry VIII and Catherine of Aragon. Uh, Catherine of Aragon, by the way, is the child of Ferdinand and Isabella of Spain. So she was like the hottest royal bride of her generation ferdinand Um, and isabella of the christopher columbus ferdinand and isabella's yes yes indeed so of all the gold they had mucho 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 gold super rich um 
uh, Ferdinand and Isabella were co-rulers of Spain and Castile. Um, they, so like still a Queen problematic Isabella. thing today. Yeah, yeah. Spain's so struggling. they they like united those two kingdoms, and like Isabella was like a ruler of her kingdom in her own right. So a lot of a lot of power in that family. So Catherine of Aragon um, was also like super powerful. Um, she was set to marry Prince Arthur, who was the heir to the English throne, the firstborn son of Henry the Seventh. So she comes to England and. They get married, and, like, months later, Arthur dies, <laughs> mm. which puts Catherine in a tight spot. Also, speaking of which, this is the subject of the next Stars <laughs> TV show. No. The Spanish Princess. Seriously? Follow along with us. This is your summer TV watch list. Um, <laughs> anyway, I haven't seen that show, so I'm not going to talk about it. Um, so Catherine is in England, uh, newly widowed, but still a teenager, and Henry, who is a few years younger than her, uh, they kind of get together and they form a genuine um, affection for each other and also kind of have the hats for each other. Like they are young and in love and kind of in an awkward position. Uh, Catherine doesn't really want to be sent home because she fears that she's not going to have as good of prospects like she really wanted to be part of this political marriage and it fell through and she's like not really wanting to give up and henry is young and horny and just in love and but <laughs> luckily uh soon his father dies and um henry is becomes king at the age of 18 which is pretty remarkable uh he was young and athletic and hot um and like really talented and smart too. Like yeah, he, he was he, not a shit king at the beginning. No, no, he like had a had a big fall, but at the beginning he was pretty hot. Like him being cast as Jonathan Reese Myers in or Jonathan Reese Myers, yeah, Whew. yeah, perfect casting. Wear the shit out of that codpiece boy. Yeah, the Tudors as a TV show is very good, very sexy, very good. <laughs> he looks nothing like him physically, but perfect attitude. Yeah, I think. I concur. Um, I concur. Yeah. So uh, so now that Henry is king, he, like, really wants to make this marriage happen. He's like, I'm the king. I can do whatever the fuck I want. Um, but he's still super Catholic. Like, really Catholic. Problematically was, Catholic. Well, like, to the point where he was known among other monarchs as the defender of the faith. Um, so, like, he's, he's on good terms with the Pope. Um, so he asked the Pope, which is, I, I wrote this down, Pope Julius II. Um, he gets permission from him to marry Catherine of Aragon. Um, and he, they do this because she swore that she had not consummated the marriage with Arthur. So he's like, okay, that tracks. You're young. You probably just didn't consummate it yet. So the Pope gives them permission to marry um, they are super happy about it. They they are married for about 20 years. She gets pregnant a ton, uh, but has a ton of miscarriages. They did, uh, she did give birth to a son and he was like super, like Henry was super excited about this. Like there was, he was born like around Christmas time and that Christmas was like the happiest Henry has probably ever been in his life. Um, but that prince unfortunately died about a month later but they did have one daughter that survived infancy and that daughter was mary mary was 
also like everyone in England was like obsessed with this royal family. Like they loved Henry and they loved Catherine and they also loved Princess Mary. She was like as an infant or not as an infant, but like, you know, they started educating her right from the get go because she was their only kid. And so she was it. And she was also really precocious. So she was really well educated. She uh, was like super musically talented, just like her father. And she was also the hot commodity on the marriage market, just like her mother. So she was kind of in talks to marry a lot of different people, including the King of France, who I think is the one who ended up marrying Mary, Queen of Mary, Scots. Queen of Scots. <laughs> so that might have caused some familial drama. Ah, uh, well, you know. Um, I guess there's only so many princes to go around. Yeah, like the Habsburgs. That's why all that inbreeding happened. <laughs> Where am I? Do, do, do. She was in talks to marry a lot of people uh, because of treaties. Um, but by the time Mary was like nine years old, it becomes pretty clear that Catherine's not really going to be able to have any more children. So that's kind of an issue for Henry. Henry loves Mary because he, she is her, his child, but he's he really wants a male heir because he the war of the roses is not that far off in memory so he's worried about the security of his dynasty and wants to make sure that it continues after his death but nevertheless she is getting given like really high honors for her position she's given her own court in wales which is usually reserved for the prince of wales um so she is kind of considered the heir right now because there is no one else now, this is around the time, though, when uh, Henry starts kind of looking elsewhere. Uh, because he is the king, he is allowed to kind of do whatever the fuck he wants, and that includes fucking whoever he wants. He has a number of mistresses, which is not a big deal at the time, because that's what he does. That's he, he's the king. And Catherine is a good uh, queen who knows her place and she's a she, good sport about it she's a good sport that's what i'll yeah she knows what's going on she's not an idiot um but she also knows how the game is played and she knows that she is the queen and he still does like respect her a lot at this time she still makes she hand sews all of his shirts which is like really sweet and he like continues to love and rely on that um but he is definitely fucking around with other women. Uh, he ends up having a son with another woman who he does try to legitimize. He becomes like Henry Fitzroy or something. But he dies in his teenage years, I believe. Anyway. But the most notable of these women that he that his eye strays to is Anne Boleyn. And we've talked about this extensively, so a I'm couple not gonna times. Go. Yeah, I don't need to go too much into detail, but he, she eventually kind of talks him into uh, wanting to annul his marriage with Catherine uh, because he goes back to, in his mind, um, there's a verse in Leviticus that talks about don't have sex with your brother's wife or else you will be cursed. And so he sees that as being the reason behind him not having a male heir. Yeah, so... He Leviticus Cram fucks up everything for everybody. Yeah, it really does. It's just if the worst just, book. If we could just kind of get rid of that one. Yeah. What, let's just have like a new meeting at Nicene and we'll just make a couple selective edits. Yeah. Woo, heresy. Um, <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> it's just me being a dick. <laughs> 
So anyway, uh, they try to get the marriage annulled through the new pope, which is Clement the Seventh, um, different pope, and he's not about that. And so he ends up Henry ends up splitting up with the Catholic Church, which is uh, super unpopular with the people of England because they love Queen Catherine, and she makes this really impassioned speech at this. They have like a trial in England to be like. You're the queen. You lied when you said that you hadn't consummated the marriage. Um, and she's like, I didn't fucking lie. <laughs> like, so it's very dramatic. And she makes this very I'm dramatic. I'm sorry. Plea. Wait. What? Do you wait? Hmm? The people like the people of the court of England. Yeah. Well, based the pe- on the evidence of the book of Leviticus, got together and said, no. aha, no. she must have lain with Arthur. No, because it's more the like the it's more like Henry calls this trial with like his his counsel. And it's still not, still this it, is based on the idea that he's cursed based on testimony from the Bible. Essentially, because his argument it, it, like this is in the midst of him becoming the head of the church. Is this before or after he got the concussion on the horse? before i believe so he's just a fucking idiot no he's like i he's looking for a reason to do what he wants to do he is looking for a reason he's also there's also a chance that he really believes this right yeah he might be a simple like he he wants he wants that sweet pussy of anne boleyn but (laughs) please never say that again (laughs) Ooh, you are fired and suspended and also (laughs) should be ashamed no uh (laughs) But and so she's like withholding from him because she's like, I will only sleep with the man who is my husband. And he's like, God damn it. And so I guess I better go fuck it up with the fucking but church. He, yeah. He also does probably legit believe that this is that he's been cursed because he just really wants a male heir too. like it's not just about who he wants to sleep with. And I do um, understand the anxieties about the War of the Roses. He's effectively. Yeah really only the second generation away from open warfare oh yeah 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 because his father is the one who won the war and yeah. became king <laughs> yeah okay so really so, just one generation and so like there is also like a huge precedent for that swinging back in the next generation and someone yeah. else taking over so he's he's a, he has legitimate concern there's a great book about henry and all of his wives called the six wives of henry the eighth yep the six I'm wives looking at it and, right now. and it's by David Starkey, and it's it's a very good book. Um, There's also a pseudo Broadway concert, oh, <laughs> called Six, and it's mm-hmm. uh, the women of the the six wives singing about their experiences. Hmm. And right. uh, you should well, I mean, you can listen to it when you're home next. Well, all right. <laughs> this is this is the carrot at the end of my stick. <laughs> So, yes, he does end up splitting from the Catholic Church and splitting from Catherine. And Catherine is like, really, she really gets the short end of that stick. She is proclaimed to be the queen or the, no, I think she's like the princess dowager. Like, they change her title to kind of reflect, like, she never married henry but only married arthur so i think she's only given the title of like princess dowager i could be incorrect i didn't actually look this up anyway and she's like sent off to live in some castle and she gets like super depressed and 
develops illnesses and dies. But, okay, so Mary during this time, <laughs> she's, like, in her... She's, like, basically reached adulthood by this time. Um, it's, like, around 1530, 31, um, as Henry's going through this massive split. And she's having a pretty traumatic time, as you might guess. Uh, her mother is being, like shat on by her father and being dumped and sent off to live in a random castle and mary is not allowed to see her this is so much worse than your typical divorce oh yeah (laughs) like they really for this being like the first divorce they really shat the bed he treated both catherine and mary like shit during this time period so she's not allowed to see her mother um and then he quickly marries Anne. Anne like is a real bitch to her. Like just does not treat her with respect at all. Mary is proclaimed to be a bastard because the marriage has been technically was never legitimate in in his eyes. So she is not only disinherited from the throne, but she is delegitimized. And she loses her title of princess and she's known as my lady Mary. And she also... She doesn't even get to be a princess anymore? No, because if the marriage wasn't legitimate, then she isn't a legitimate, like, doesn't have a legitimate place in the succession. So she's not a princess. Jesus Christ. Yes. So she is has this status of a bastard. No like, fucking wonder she goes on to murder mm-hmm. a fuck ton of people. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. Um. So then they... Uh, so Anne Boleyn is, like, pregnant when... <laughs> they get married because right because once he breaks up the church for you you can't really hold yeah. out she was like okay i see you're serious now <laughs> so, okay you broke with rome you can have yeah. you can get it now yeah so she's like immediately pregnant which like henry is super excited about and she's like oh 100 this is totally a boy this is totally a prince because i can tell these things <laughs> um and it ends up being a girl <laughs> and it's elizabeth and Henry is kind of disappointed. Kind um, of. Kind of. But so Elizabeth uh, becomes the new princess, the new heir, and kind of adopts that same position that Mary had enjoyed in her early youth. And to add insult to injury, Mary is sent to live in Elizabeth's household and be one of her ladies. That is absolutely ridiculous. It is like the worst, most cartoonishly evil stepmother situation where, like, yeah. Well, She's like, like forced neither to be Elizabeth's girl servant. can benefit from this. Like, yeah. There's nothing good is going to happen for anybody. It's not a great idea. <laughs> um, so I think kind of understandably, she starts uh, having like a lot of health problems like she has irregular menstruation she has depression um it's unclear if this is related just to like the dire situation she's in or if it's like some like complication of like puberty where things are irregular and or if it's a fucking curse (laughs) or if there's some kind of underlying disease uh which we'll get to but regardless it's it's kind of amazing because Despite all the shittiness of her situation, she does kind of develop a real affection for Elizabeth. And they did like each other. They obviously had a pretty complicated relationship, but Elizabeth and Mary both had a lot of, like, genuine sisterly affection for each other. 
So that blows my mind. It is kind of amazing. And I think partly it has something to do with the fact that when Elizabeth was two is when Anne Boleyn was (laughs) beheaded. So Elizabeth did not enjoy that position of superiority for a very long time. Um, She was, she was also delegitimized and bastardized um, after Henry. And as an adult, or, or more adult, I'm sure Mary the First could identify yeah, with what Mary, the princess was seeing. Yeah, Mary really sympathized with her. So they kind of like, she was kind to her. Um, yeah, so they like were kind of in and out of each other's lives for kind of the rest of their uh, childhood slash adulthood. Right. But they they did have affection for each other and Mary really kind of sympathized with Elizabeth's position. Um, and they so, went yeah. on to be very happy sisters and they grew yeah, up and got a lot of cats together. Totally. The end. Yay. Um, anyway, so Henry marries Jane Seymour. Jane Seymour has a son, the long-awaited son and heir, Edward. Um, Henry dies when Edward is like 10. I think I wrote this down. It's fine. <laughs> regardless henry dies eventually henry dies and edward is young and he becomes king and the seymour family which is his mother's side they become his counselors and his protectors and they are super duper protestant and this is an issue for mary who is very staunchly catholic still she uh edward kind of gives her permission to kind of like keep doing what she's doing but only but like begrudgingly and only if she's like really secret about it so she does go through her own form of kind of um religious persecution which she's also just very very catholic uh just like her mother was so yeah her and edward do not have a very good relationship um and edward goes to the extent of trying to so uh, i gotta back up a second Mm -hmm. um when henry married his last wife catherine parr wife number six um he was definitely in his old age and catherine was a more conciliatory uh wife she wanted to bring the family all back together so she persuaded henry to sign an act of succession that uh reinserted mary and elizabeth into the line of succession oh so this was really cool of her to do um it didn't necessarily re-legitimize mary or elizabeth technically they were still considered bastards through the law but they were in line to inherit the throne so they weren't princesses but they were potential second second and third in line so that was like still really cool of Catherine Parr to do and like kind of brought the family back together um before Henry's death and that was probably like the happiest she was in her family like since her mother (laughs) was queen but Henry dies and Edward becomes king and Edward is not like super excited about mary inheriting after he dies um he was also a pretty sickly child i will add um so he ends up with the help of his very protestant counselors trying to scheme to change the act of succession to disinherit mary (laughs) again um the problem is he can't go directly to elizabeth because there's no like legal reason why that would make sense 
Um, so yeah, you can't bypass one in favor of the other. There's just not a good reason for it. So he ends up saying, okay, so my other cousin, Lady Jane Grey, she's going to inherit the throne now because she is distantly related to the royal family back in the War of the Roses time. <laughs> this is all. She wasn't more recent than that? No, I think <sighs> she was... I think she was descendant from the first husband of Elizabeth Woodville, who was queen with the York King. That is a very distant yeah, I did. Run. I did this whole math before, but it's been a while. There's been a lot of Wikipedia holes I've fallen down in this whole royal family succession Fun. issue. You could read endlessly about it, and I have. It's very fun. Anyway, uh, so Edward is a very sickly king, and he ends up dying at the age of 15. Um, and this kind of creates an issue where he had this kind of grand plan to pass his throne to Lady Jane Grey, but it didn't necessarily get passed by Parliament, I don't think. So technically, the, the Henry's Act of Succession is also still in play. And this is where you also have to contend with the will of the people. There's no democracy, but people in England still really love Mary Tudor. Okay. Because they love Henry, and they see her as being the first you know, child of Henry, and so she has that strong lineage, whereas Lady Jane Grey, they're like, who the fuck is this? Right, um, well, she was, she, yeah, she wasn't even remotely. Yeah, I mean, like she, she was quite remotely, but... Yeah. So she, like, Lady Jane Grey had her, her Protestant supporters, and so they are in London currently because they were the counselors to the king, so they quickly, like, they're in London, and they're like, Jane's queen, Jane's queen, uh, it's fine. Um, they don't <laughs> They don't actually get around to coronating her, though, because she is in the Tower of London awaiting coronation when Mary Tudor marches down to London accompanied by Elizabeth and also about 800 nobles, oh. I think. Who nope. even knew there were that many not, nobles? Not that many. That's a okay. lot. That's a number okay. that comes up later. <laughs> Um, it is a lot of people. No, no, I do have a 800. I don't know. They might, and they might not have all been noble, but they're, uh, she had a lot of support from the noble houses in England, as well as the common people. And so she kind of like marches down to London with this whole procession and just like very quickly takes control of London. And she... It's like, oh, Lady Jane Grey, you're in the Tower of London. That's an excellent place for you. You can just um, stay you can right just there. Stay there, uh, except she is also forced to execute Lady Jane Grey because that is not someone she wants to have around to question her legitimacy. So right. she quickly puts down this this idea of Lady Jane Grey as queen. She is not even officially recognized as a monarch of England. Uh, some people say, oh, she was the nine-day queen. That's what she's known as. Um, very tragic. Like, she, I don't think there's any, I don't think Lady Jane Grey wanted to be queen at all. She was just kind of a pawn in this 
whole political religious situation well and what's even worse than this being political is also it's religious Mm -hmm. uh to people who who very often genuinely believe in the religions that they are championing and Mm -hmm. uh you would imagine that a loss of throne would also be akin to a failure of your god yes yeah. So these are some fucking high ass stakes. There's there's a lot of stakes. It's not just oh, I want this person to lead because I like their platform. It's like God wills this. <laughs> right. Jesus said so, this I know, for the Bible doth tell me so. In Leviticus. Um right. <laughs> chapter and verse, motherfuckers. Yes. So she executes Lady Jane Grey. It's very sad. There's a very like dramatic painting of this too. Uh it's in the, from the 1800s cuz Art history with Jen and Kate. Yeah. Look it Um, up, bitches. Find it. Look it up. (laughs) I'm not going to describe it to you because this is an audio format. Uh, She also frees all the Catholic prisoners that had been imprisoned under Edward's reign. And so she's kind of living the high life at the moment. Um, Flexing. Flexing, living on that popularity and finally able to practice her own religion, Catholicism. Uh, So she really wants to bring England back into the fold, but she kind of learned her lesson initially she was like you know i'm not gonna like pass any laws to decree that catholicism has to be the law of the land at the moment um (laughs) there's also this whole issue where elizabeth is a protestant she's not as like super duper protestant as edward was she's very much more private about her faith but she it, it was definitely a source of tension between the two sisters beyond you know the drama with their parents Mm -hmm. um and so Mary's not really sure what to do about Elizabeth and her Protestantism, um, but she does know that she wants a man. <laughs> so, <laughs> Something Elizabeth was never quite so sure about. Yeah, this uh, is... Mary took a firm <clears throat> stance well, Mary... on. Yeah, because Mary had been like in talks to marry like a ton of different people throughout, like since she was a toddler so right. she is now like well into her adulthood she's i think i don't remember exactly what age she is but she might be like in her 30s by now Oof. and she's still unmarried and she is like always kind of resented that because she went from being like the hottest most eligible bachelorette to being like technically a bastard and all of her prospects are like tanked and nobody cares nobody wants to marry her and then also like edward and his counselors would kind of toy with marrying her off to a bunch of different people as either a way to lower her status or to reward one of their own friends so she has a lot of issues with marriage but she still really wants to be married she ends up choosing philip ii of spain before he becomes king but um That's actually yeah. a pretty solid choice, Philip II. Philip Although he II. loses the Netherlands. Mm. And they yeah, go on loses... to become the richest nation in the world for a hot while. He loses while. a lot. Yeah. Philip II yeah. did not have a good time. Um, but you could, you could appreciate why she and Philip II, having yeah. that shared heritage, would choose to get yeah, together. Yeah, no, they're defo, like, cousins. <laughs> I was being nice about, you know, shared family traditions. And you were like, yeah. one of those family traditions is their genetic line. <laughs> Well, yeah, because her mother was Spanish. Um, Right, 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 right. So that's, yeah, she's always had, you know, very strong connections to Spain, which is something that has made people in England very uneasy about. Um, Spain and their goddamn armada. Yeah, not yet, but soon. Yes. (laughs) 
And um, it's building. The power of Spain was was yeah. pretty. I mean, they got all that uh, American gold. I mean, Spain under Isabella and Ferdinand were, was like hella powerful. Yeah. So like this whole time, people were like, "Ooh, Spain." Yeah. Um, either in awe or in fear. Um, yeah. Yeah. So she marries Philip. Uh, he goes along with it, but he is not really into her, <laughs> which you might be able to tell from a portrait of her. She's like not. She's not very beautiful. Oh, <laughs> sad. Poor, poor Mary. Um, she did, apparently Catherine of Aragon was like really beautiful when she was younger. So unfortunately, she did not inherit really either of her parents' good looks. That no, or they really no, like no, soured. No, no, you're wrong. Uh, and here's why. Okay. When you put two beautiful people together to make a baby, that baby yeah. comes out awkward every time. Oh, okay. I'm telling you, look at celebrities who have particularly beautiful parents. You mm. need to have one normal looking person to mm-hmm. reflect the beauty of a more beautiful person. Fascinating. Like, yeah. So it's so very helpful. By that logic, Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds' children are doomed? Yeah. Yeah. Those fucking lock them in a bell tower. It's not going to work. <laughs> oh. No. Oh, uh, they, I think, Ryan Reynolds has a beautiful body, but he had to work on it. If you look at his face, he's he's quite normal it's looking, normal looking in the yeah. face. so maybe maybe they'll be okay yeah blake lively is an ethereal goddess and none of us are good well, enough to be in her presence uh yeah, but clearly <laughs> but ryan reynolds had to work at it He's um <laughs> so lucky he, and we are so lucky to gaze upon him mm-hmm. he is a treasure that we should all be thankful for daily yeah all right so uh <laughs> jesus is it moist in here um <laughs> So, what were we talking about before um, my uterus got distracted? So, so Philip of Spain is not really feeling his new wife. Um, yeah, because again, he, two ugly people, two beautiful two people. Ugly, yeah, ugly babies. He, he was actually uh, more interested in Elizabeth, which is another nail in the coffin of oh, the sisters' relationship. Jesus. This yeah. is this is rough. This yeah. is bad. This yeah. is bad for everybody. He he apparently made a pass at uh, Elizabeth, and she she politely declined. Um, Wait, what? Did he make a pass at Elizabeth while he was married to Mary? I don't remember. Oh, okay, because that would have been real bad. Capital was, TM. Yeah, he was not like super appropriate to her, Gross. though, considering their relationship. Um, yeah. But so, so Elizabeth has her own checkered past of pervy men True. making passes at her she was a very beautiful young woman as well um mm-hmm. anyway so mary is super stoked though because she has everything that she ever wanted she has the crown she has a husband and she has her faith and nobody can tell her otherwise um and and then in 1554 she thinks she has the last jewel in her crown a baby. She stops menstruating, which is a super fun word. Oh, um, no. oh, she no. starts she starts gaining weight and she oh, starts no. feeling nauseated in the mornings. Oh which no. are all telltale signs in the fifteen hundreds that you are pregnant and you have no other tests to refute that claim. Yeah, everyone thinks she's pregnant. She thinks she's pregnant. Her, she, she starts gaining weight like in the right area like her abdomen starts expanding, like where her where a baby would be. But this is cancer, isn't it? 
Well, we don't know. So, because, like, that's always the test. Uh, if if you're gaining weight in your stomach and you're nauseous, do mm. your titties hurt? That's the question. Yeah, but they can also hurt yeah. when you're pregnant. Yeah. That's so, well, right. No, yeah. So they should hurt when you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're not hurting and growing, then it might not be a baby. Mm-hmm. And you should go see your oncologist. Yes. Looking at you, Flora, from the court of Queen Victoria. Oh, dear. Yeah. Indeedly. Sorry, go ahead. Yes. So, Other TV yeah. shows. God. <laughs> Jen, we need to get a fucking hobby. <laughs> we do. It's podcasting. We need to do it more. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, sorry, go ahead. Dave. Everyone was like, yeah. No. <laughs> Jen's like, mm, break. No, no. Um, so, do, 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 do. Uh, plans are arranged in case of her dying in childbirth. Um... Everyone assumes that this is this is real. Uh, Philip, on the other hand, is doubtful <laughs> for obvious reasons. Yeah, he might have uh, he might have reason to believe she ain't pregnant at all. Yeah. Um, yikes! Yikes! Uh, but about ten months later, uh, her abdomen recedes mysteriously, and there is no baby. Um, Someone, this is the the best thing that I found. Someone remarks that the, air quotes, pregnancy is more likely to, quote, end in wind rather than anything else. Oh my God. (laughs) Which if you know your 16th century slang, that is farts. Yep. Um, Yeah. So it was either a hysterical pregnancy or, yeah, maybe the first bout of ovarian cancer. Um. But she does seem to recover from that, and this is when she starts really leaning into her Catholic uh, side, and this is where things start getting bloody. So she does start jailing Protestants, even though she's like, no, I'm not going to do that. It's totally fine. She puts people in jail, and she's like, can you just like not be Protestant anymore? <laughs> here's the pope you need to just pay attention to this like just like love the pope like he's so great Uh, (laughs) philip apparently persuades parliament to repeal henry's religious laws separating the church of england from the catholic church i don't think that actually fully passed though because we still have the church of england right um and then 1555 heresy acts are revived allowing for the execution of heretics and a lot of Protestants see this and they're like, I'm out. <laughs> About 1,800 Protestants flee the country. Um, but a notable, pu- an, ugh, a notable, notable, yes, that is also a word. Noticeable? <laughs> a, a notable few oh, Protestants. Okay. Uh, a notable few Protestants you are said God damn. You can Everything do it. to heck. Uh, they are imprisoned, and she starts actually full-on burning them at the stake. Wow. Yes. Thomas Cramner is one of this group. Did I mention him before, or did I skate on by? I think we skated on by. Not a name I know. Okay. Thomas Cramner was someone in Henry VIII's court who rose from kind of the rank of, like, a clerk to being, like, his full-on, like, right-hand man. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, he was a very powerful person in Henry's court. Uh, there's a couple books about him. Wolf Hall, um, which got turned into a miniseries, of course. On PBS. Yeah, make sure you watch it, guys. Yeah. Anyway, he is. he was most notable because he was the architect of Henry's divorce. 
Okay. So he and Anne Boleyn basically were BFFs. The, the, the BFFs who tag team to talk Henry into the annulment and also the breaking from the Catholic Church. He was a Protestant and saw this as his best chance to stop Henry from burning heretics at the stake because that was a thing that Henry also did. So he's still around and Mary's like, oh, ho, ho, look who it is. <laughs> well, 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 Tommy. Well, well, Thomas, we meet again. Uh, so she puts him in jail with much glee and forces him to watch as uh, his friends and fellow Protestants are burned at the stake. He recants <laughs> the Protestant faith and begs to rejoin the Catholic faith. And she's like, that's great. That would have usually spared a person, but this is Thomas Cramner. And she's like, nah, brah. And she burns him at the stake as well. Wow. That takes some yes. real chutzpah to be like, yeah, I'm going to watch you burn alive. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine that one was one that she enjoyed. Um, on the day of his execution, he dramatically recanted his recant and was like, just kidding. Fuck you I if you're going to burn me anyway. The whole time. Yep. I'm going to talk to directly uh, directly to God as I burn alive and no one I can mean, stop me. Yeah, because also from his perspective, like, he doesn't want to go to hell, too, if this is, like, right? what he really believes in. I always wonder if in my last moments on Earth, which I have been mm-hmm. living not a religious life, mm-hmm. if in my last moment on Earth I'm like, JK God, it was all for you. <laughs> and, like, yeah. if that's, like, my get out of jail Jesus, free take card. take the wheel! i don't know if it works like that i i mean biblically it does yeah yeah. but it is it's yeah other christians might be upset with you but you know technically it is allowed yeah they're supposed to turn the other cheek anyways yeah but there's a a whole ass parable about this yeah um in the new testament i love the word parable it has to do with grapes Anyway, so in total, 283 Protestant heretics were executed, uh, mostly by burning at the stake. That is so many. That's like a that high is, school. It's a lot. <laughs> That's like a high school. I don't know. This is like 380 kids in a high school, like 100 <laughs> kids per class. That depends on the high school. Yeah, that's true. Because that is less than my graduating class. Seriously? You had more than 380 kids in your graduating class? I said 283. Oh, oh, um, oh, oh, oh. But my class was about 350. How? I, we had one high school. <laughs> but, like, how are there that many people who live by you? It's a city. Where do you grow your crops? <laughs> Surely your livestock needs space. Oh my god. That is the most medieval like viewpoint. But where that's do not... you grow where do you get your sustenance? That's not medieval, that's Berrien County. I don't know how to tell you this, but cities exist. I mean I technically they don't grow know that. Any crops there. Uh. Anyway, everybody lives too close together and everything smells like cars. It's true. I have decided recently that I just hate cities. Yeah. Like, like big cities. Like Grand Rapids is fine. Like that's Grand a Rapids good is size. Perfect. It's a perfect size city. But I went to Philly and I was like, maybe I just hate cities. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Philly is notoriously nasty, though. I mean, 
Like it's, it's got the, all the great history stuff, but apparently also the people are rather unpleasant and the streets yeah. are laid out poorly and it smells weird. Yeah, there's a there was an ad campaign apparently in like the 60s or 70s in Philly that was like Philadelphia isn't that bad, isn't as bad <laughs> as Philadelphians would tell you would make you believe it. I don't remember, but there was like a bill a series of billboards that said something to that effect of like Philadelphia isn't as bad as Philadelphians say it is. That's hilarious. So <laughs> it's like that's a ringing endorsement. <laughs> just speaking of ringing endorsements, uh, a, a city, a small city very close to Grand Rapids is called Muskegon, mm-hmm. and Muskegon. Muskegon is known for being rather low end, mm. and they they have a they have a, a small airport there and a number of other stores, uh, and it says of course the the tagline became of course there's blah 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 it's Muskegon so oh, no. uh, of course there's free parking it's Muskegon <laughs> or um, of well, course that couldn't go south at all <laughs> right right obviously uh, they changed this pretty quickly once they worked out that there was kind of like. Yeah, man, it's Muskegon. Like, mm-hmm. of course there was a murder there. It's Muskegon. <laughs> it's Muskegon. So they've now oh. changed it. Muskegon is M-U-S-K-E-G-O-N, Muskegon. And mm-hmm. so they took, they stacked those letters and it, they put watch us go, Muskegon, you know. So watch us go is better than, of course it's blah, blah, blah. It's Muskegon. It's Muskegon. Yeah. Yeah, Terrible. they should have thought that one through. They did not. I I always say in any marketing department, you, you should have a team of eighth graders to, <laughs> to rip apart your to ideas. To really rip it apart, yeah. See, That's smart. Yeah, all the places it can go. Yeah, so Bloody Mary has to yep. eventually die. Yeah, okay, so I <laughs> was... Um, yes, we're almost there. We're so close, guys. We're on page five of six. Seriously, um, Jen? <laughs> yes. So I wrote notes, everything guys. that I have in short form on less than a full page. No, I write I write full sentence bullet points. Um, wow. So she burns a lot of people at the stake. Like, enough to that, like, the Spanish Catholics started getting a little squeamish about all of the death going on. Which is saying a fucking lot, considering, I don't know, the Spanish Inquisition. Right. <laughs> like, that was, like... A generation ago, and they're right. like, Ooh, I don't know, this is a lot of death. This is a lot of people dying. Maybe you shouldn't talk. Yes. So, this is definitely where the nickname Bloody Mary comes from. I don't remember whether that was in her lifetime, or I think it was probably a, a generation or two later when people started actually using that nickname. Uh-huh. Um, so that is that is where that comes from. Um, f- things start going downhill pretty quickly. Philip visits again because rem- like he's I think becomes king during this time. Yes, because she's also technically the consort of Spain. So they're like running two different countries on two different like parts of the continent. Okay. So he's like not around a lot. Also, he doesn't like her. <laughs> so he comes back to visit in 1557. And shortly after, uh, Mary again begins to show signs of pregnancy. But uh, spoiler alert, she's not pregnant. As she nears her what she thinks is her time, she realizes that she's not pregnant. And it is, in fact, some kind of illness. Um, and she is forced to name Elizabeth as her heir. This is This part is actually quite well depicted in the movie, Elizabeth from the 90s with Kate Blanchett. Yes, fantastic film. Fantastic movie. It starts with this whole Bloody Mary, like her dying kind of thing. Yeah, it's so it is quite possible that she had 
um, ovarian cancer or, or something because it was definitely in the womb area, but not definitely not pregnancy. Um, she dies in 1558 at the age of 42 and Philip, uh, quote, felt a reasonable regret for her death. <laughs> oh my God. That's like Shakespeare leaving uh, Anne Hathaway his second best bed. Yes. I think he also immediately uh, proposed to Elizabeth and she was like, no thanks. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that also happened. Yes. Yeah. And then he got mad and built an armada to try to take her over. And she was also like, no thanks. Here's the English <laughs> Navy. Run it up your flagpole. Yeah. I'm going to burn all these ships and run them into your ships. Super badass. So she is buried in Westminster next to her sister, Elizabeth. <laughs> Like, in the same tomb. It's I think that's kind of nice. It is. I could see being buried, like, next to Maggie. I looked up to see if there was any ghosts, because, you know, that's what this whole show is about. Um, there is very little actual ghost stories about Mary Tudor, which is, I think, surprising. I think it's mostly, she mostly lives on through the urban legend. But there was a castle, Thornbury Castle, that was in use throughout the Tudor era, but it is said that a teenage Princess Mary is seen walking the grounds with her greyhound dogs. So hmm. I think that's nice. I don't that, know. Yeah, if that's the way, if that's the moment you're going to relive yeah. for all eternity, hanging out with your puppies as a teenager, that's pretty good. I'm trying to do the math. You know, before you she murdered might, thousands of people. Yeah, she hundreds. might have been a teenager still when, when her mother was queen. So I think, like, yeah, if that's the moment... Like if you could re- if you could choose any moment to relive, like being a teenager, being princess, heir to the throne, and like hot shit, like that would be a good time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, let's transition back to Bloody Mary, the legend. Please, I'm so ready to be done talking. I'm sure you are. Six pages is <sighs> so much. Plus a whole other story that I did unprompted. Anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, so so my question for this Bloody Mary uh, legend is, um, is what's actually happening? Mm-hmm. And there's a couple different theories. Uh, the first theory that I briefly want to talk about is actually sociological. Um, this was put forth by uh, Alan Dundies, who wrote Bloody Mary and the Mary, A Ritual of Reflection of Prepubescent Anxiety. Uh, and that was in Western Folklore in 1998. So his theory... His argument is that Bloody Mary, with her bathrooms and darkness and uh, the fact that most girls who reported playing Bloody Mary were were between the ages of 7 and 12, Mm -hmm. uh, the average American girl will get her period right around age 12, 12, 12 and a half. Mm. And they think, uh, they being Alan Dundas and his, uh, his repertoire, they think that the game Bloody Mary is associated with the anxiety and the lack of ritual that Americans have surrounding the transition of pre to post menses. So, so the first time you get your period, in a lot of cultures, there's a celebration or a ceremony, the ending of your childhood. In America, we don't have that. And Do you so, think that is a little bit, though... It sounds a little like a, a guy being like, why are these girls acting weird? It must be their period. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can understand that. Uh, if you read his article, he's not so... I mean, it's 1998. He's not that 
he's not that far off, I don't think. Uh, he talks about the major pieces in this. Um, you're looking for the blood or the water that is uh, used. Uh, you're looking to be scared by something or mm -hmm. to see the future husband or uh, that you yourself would suddenly show blood. So mm. whether Mary would go, uh, gouge you or claw your face or whatever, all of a sudden there would be blood on you. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think it's that much of a reach, actually. Okay. I, I mean, I could see, I could see the like gouging part and like being like, "What is this?" Exactly. On? I do think there's also just. I think that's also the age where, because of puberty, you're starting to pay attention to boys more, and so like that might explain, yes. you know, the wanting to know who your husband's going to be. Absolutely. And, and also, it's I one think of those things that's pushed on, society pushes on girls at that age. That, and it's also, I think, the age where you have sleep, like, especially in modern America, like, you have those yes. sleepovers, and you are starting to tell those ghost stories instead of, right. you know, you're, playing Barbies or whatever. Like Your that's sleepovers the age. are now multiple girls, <laughs> and they're not yeah. like, okay, you're going to go to bed after ballet class with me. Yeah. You're, like, having, like, proper parties through the night. Yeah, it's like... This, I think it's uh, like there's definitely an element of just this is when girls start getting spooky. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is kind of that feral age. Mm -hmm. uh, I, it certainly fit me. So that's yeah. that's his perspective. Um, I will offer the paranormal perspective. And that is um, that this is something that's actually happening, that we're making contact with a spirit by looking through a, a glass, a, a looking glass in a dark room. And the tradition of divination through looking through a mirror in a dark room is called scrying. It's also mm -hmm. called crystalmancy. It's related to looking through a crystal ball. Hmm. Uh, now, yeah. I have, uh, I've done this. Uh, it was something that Blue and I practiced. And I actually had something happen. Uh, really? I won't be like... Oh, what happened was so profound. I have had more profound experiences, which mm. we've talked about here. Uh, but basically, Blue set us up in a dark room at Grand Valley. We all had mirrors that we brought. Uh, mine was half a broken compact that I yeah. used to tweeze. Oh, my God. Yeah, whatever you That's have. so you. you. Know? I know, right? So janky and half-assed. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Blue went and she kind of set up a safe circle. Uh, so th because the idea is that you are calling to the other side and, and mm. you do need a certain level of protection. Um, mm -hmm. she brought, I've, I emailed her, uh, she was, she couldn't be with us tonight. I was hoping that she could, but unfortunately she's at a con in, uh, Ohio. So she was unavailable. Mm. Um, so I asked her, you know, what is scrying? And she says, it's a method of divination utilizing a polished smooth surface to leave your conscious mind and see significant messages, guidance, or visions from the spirit realm. So when I looked, I didn't see anything for a long time. I was laying on my stomach on the floor, probably for close to, probably close to 10 minutes before I started seeing stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, what I started seeing looked like it was in like a milky whitish green, almost like looking at a photo negative, mm. which I think makes a lot of sense considering what I was doing. Um, in that, well, we'll come back to that. Uh, and I, the first thing I saw was my cat. Uh, hmm. At that point in time, it was my cat, Orion, who was, uh, he was all black. And he had milky green eyes, just like the milky green of what I was seeing. 
Now, um, do you mean like actual iris color or do you mean like that reflective sheen? That reflective okay. sheen color. Okay. Uh, if I were to suggest that my subconscious was seeing something, it's that mm-hmm. it started to to see that color one way or another. And mm-hmm. it, I, my first you know, subconscious thought was, oh, it looks like my cat's eyes. Or well, Ryan had probably... particularly pale eyes. Okay. I mean, and that makes sense that... You know, you're looking at things in the dark, and I bet you had a lot of experience seeing your cat's eyes reflecting out of the darkness, especially Possibly. as a black cat. Like Yes. Yes. You know. But also, think about the way the physical mechanism of your eyeball works. Mm-hmm. In a dark room, you allow your eyes to dilate to bring in as much light as possible. Yep. And your eyes are straining to see something. Uh, and so it's it's going to start interpreting things on its own. We're going to come back to that. So um, we're sticking with what the scrying is. I asked Blue what materials can be used for scrying. Blue says anything that's polished smooth, although a lot of practitioners might use mirrors or crystal balls, any reflective surface can suffice, including plates or bowls of water. You can also scry using candle flames, ice, or even a blank electronic screen. Screen. Oh, how ver- very Melisandre. Right. Very true. Uh, how do you select a material appropriate to yourself is my next question. And uh, Blue's response is to clean the tools of your energy before and after every use. Meditate while holding a scrying instrument. And once you've cleared your mind, look into the surface and see if anything comes to you. You might see images directly in the surface or in your mind's eye. My experience was it was more in my mind's eye. You might also get an info dump or word vomit uh, everywhere. Scrying is less about what you actually see and more about how you interpret it. I feel like that's, I mean, and this is not to discount it at all. I feel like it is almost like just a method of meditation. I completely agree. Where you're focusing on this material, whatever it is, and that's what causes you to see things in a different way or see something you weren't yeah so purposefully forcing your organs to work in a way that they are not equipped to work we cannot Mm. see that well in the dark and by focusing your energy on opening your eyes in this dark space and trying to interpret what you're seeing i think your eyes are so desperate to see something that they start pulling up visions from your brain Mm mm-hmm I think scrying, in my case, was a really great tool for introspection. What's what's going on in my subconscious? If I'm forced mm. to think about nothing, what bubbles to the surface? Yeah. Other people, though, who have a stronger tie for divination might get something more resolute. Um, so the next question is, are there any dangers when you're practicing scrying? And Blue says, it's pretty common for scrying to drain a person of energy. You're likely mm. going to be quite hungry when you're done. More importantly, scrying tools are akin to portals. Do Ooh. not open what you cannot close. Ooh. If you feel yourself diving too deep into a pool, swim up and stop the session. All right. I know. I can't, yeah, I can't imagine. I've only, I, oh. only did, I only practiced this the one time. Uh, I've never tried to go any deeper, and I've always been mm-hmm. very cautious about my energy. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, hence the not looking into mirrors in the dark. Yeah, I don't play. I say for play play. Yeah. Uh, finally, I asked, do you think there's a relationship between the legend of Bloody Mary and the practice of scrying? And she says, absolutely. You're looking into a dark light off mirror, chanting to call forth an evil entity that has deep roots in urban legend. Not a wise choice of action, if you ask me. No. <laughs> so straight from my leader's mouth, man. Skip yeah. it, guys. I mean, <laughs> um, it's 
Probably well, like I mean I I imagine all these preteen girls are not like doing it correctly. Well, so. there's so many ways to do it. What is yeah. the correct way? That, yeah. yeah. But if you're and, using that preteen energy, which we know can mm-hmm. be quite potent, preteen energy, and I love that. That's like such a thing. <laughs> that preteen. potent preteen energy, indeed. Oh God. Well, seriously, uh, you can use that energy to pretty much fool anyone and anything, including yourself, into believing what you're seeing. Right. So, I I mean, it could be, it could be, it could lead to something. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a couple other ideas here. Uh, Hallucination is uh, put forth by the scientific community that by forcing our eyes to see in the dark, uh, we start to hallucinate. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's also... Uh, possible of the possibility of self-hypnosis when you expect 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 to see something you will talk yourself into seeing it Uh, also Troxler's fading are you familiar with that no so Troxler's fading is an optical illusion uh, that actually affects your visual perception and it's it's based on how your eye works Uh, the cornea uh, and and lens of your eye is actually very small and can't focus on everything in a room at once. So when you're looking at one particular thing, other items uh, of focus pop in and out. Um, in an optical illusion, you will especially see this when, say, you're looking at a crossed line of grids, mm-hmm. gray grids uh, with lighter centers, and it looks like black dots are popping oh, in and out. Yeah, That's Troxler's fading. Your eye can't focus on all those little parts. So hmm. it focuses on one part, but noticeably blinks out of another. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. Um, and then there's also something related to that called the strange face illusion. Uh, this is a theory and a, a discovery put together by Giovanni Caputo. Uh, and this was written up pretty well in 2012. Um, so it just quickly describing the abstract here. In normal observers, gazing at one's own face in a mirror for a few minutes at a low illumination level can trigger the perception of strange faces, a new hmm. visual illusion that has been named the strange face in the mirror. Individuals see huge distortions of their own faces, but they often see monstrous beings, archetypal faces, the faces of relatives and the deceased, even animals. That's terrifying. Yeah. um, The strange face illusions in this experiment uh, were perceived when two individuals in a dimly lit room gazed at the other face in the mirror. The intersubjective gazing compared mirror-to-mirror gazing produced a higher number of different strange faces. Intersubjective strange faces, so this is faces that you're unfamiliar with as opposed to faces you are familiar with. Mm-hmm. Like how you look at yourself the most, right? Yeah. So intersubjective strange face illusions were always dissociative of the subject's self and supported a moderate feeling of their own reality, indicating a temporary loss of self-agency. So you basically scare yourself into thinking that you are this thing in the mirror. And that maybe you haven't been seeing yourself at all. Hmm. So perhaps, and um, I believe that is what another writer, Janet Langlis in 1978 uh, for Indiana Folklore, uh, Mary Wells, Mary Wales, I Believe in You, uh, was about seeing strange faces as a distortion of one's own self. Hmm. Interesting, right? Yeah. Uh, So there's a lot of possibilities here. It could be Bloody Mary of the Legend. It mm-hmm. could be scrying 
It could seeing something to the other side, uh, chanting up an evil spirit from old. Uh, but it could just as easily be your literal eyes playing tricks on you when you try mm-hmm. and force them to work in suboptimal conditions. Yeah. Yeah. Any of those are... That being said, I'm still not going to say Bloody Mary in a dark room. Me neither. No. <laughs> Call me a chicken chip, but... I'm, s- I'm still too superstitious for it. <laughs> well, babe, we have been recording for an ass long time, and my yeah. ass hurts, and your ass yeah. hurts. Yeah. Uh, and I bet everyone else's break? ass hurts, too. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I am ready. Uh, I, we need this. We need our psychological break, man. Folks, like, I, I know it's good to have that sweet, sweet content every fortnight but this is really for the best for all of us uh you know it's just a good time to take a break and refresh and come back with even better shit so yeah so we will see you guys again well you'll hear from us again rather Mm -hmm. uh what Mm -hmm. last week of august is that when we're kicking off we will we will see uh because there there might be some uh scheduling issues yeah let's not commit uh, to a date yeah yeah, we'll come back when we want to come. No, we'll we'll be back by the fall. Don't worry about it. We'll be okay. here. We'll be. We will see you guys again in the fall. Here in the meantime, of course, you. we will be in our discussion group. Please yeah. join us where all the cool kids are. Uh, yeah. This podcast is haunted. Discussion group. Uh, mm-hmm. Shout out again to those folks for just being my favorite humans ever on the internet. It's really a great group of people. Uh, and we don't just talk about ghosts. Um, I had a whole discussion about the staircase today. So. Oh, true crime that? true crime is also my jam um, there you go and old houses old houses has also become part of our brand but also very much a lot of dicks and i'm oh, so happy always. and proud as always i mean that was to be expected right so. very true yeah well uh i think that's fucking i feel like it, we're man. at the point of like signing each other's yearbooks of like Stay cool all summer. <laughs> See you in the have fall. A, have an awesome summer. See you. <laughs> I mean, but I'll see, see you next, next week because we got to catch up on Outlander. So, well, yeah, yeah. So we'll be real life friends for a while, and not we just podcast get, friends. We have to be. We have to get back to the important business of watching historical mm. TV dramas together. <laughs> right, since we're clearly lacking. <laughs> you know, since we haven't been watching any. No, nope. uh, since you've been away. <laughs> no, clearly not. Oh my good god. Oh, all I love right. you all so much. Uh well, TTFN. TTFN. Yeah, I guess Jeff take us home, man. What Tata? Oh, that's for it. I was like oh, what honey. TTFN mean again? It's been so long since AOL. Uh well, we will not you will not hear from us in a fortnight, but we will be back and until then, stay spooky motherfuckers. But damn. Bow.